0: good morning on the 22nd of february 2024 we are getting hitting our stride in this lenten season lent is a good time of year to make gray's anatomy the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back Outrages committed against our blessed Lord and against the church. And uh, that scandalous funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral is certainly just cause for spurring us to do these acts of penance and acts of reparation. So let's talk about this. We have a open letter given to the bishops of the church to beg them to back off of Fiducia supplicants in light of what happened at the cathedral. And I'll bring that to you here after we go over Cardinal Dolan's response to this, because Dolan's response to the funeral was um, we'll say lacking. It was clownish, honestly. It was almost a don't believe your own lying eyes and the media reports. So let's go over this because this is a story worth talking about today. So Life LifeSite gives us this uh, fun headline. Cardinal Dolan says St. Patrick's priests acted extraordinarily well during that funeral. Cardinal Dolan also referred to the honored activist whose funeral was held in St. Patrick's Cathedral by the uh, way they were deceiving themselves and the world. And he said this all during a recent podcast. There's nothing quite like digging a hole for yourself and then just continuing to dig. And that's exactly what Cardinal Dolan is doing here. There are very few Catholics across the sort of internal divide in the church who think this thing was a good idea, that this was handled well at all, especially the blasphemous things that were being said by the people present and by the speakers they had at this event. It really does show that the hierarchy in America, just like everywhere else, are largely out of touch with the faithful. It's almost as if they don't view their jobs as defending the faith. That there's something else going on here for them, and it is again a sad, sad commentary on what they, on the state of the church, how they're handling this. Let's go actually get the background on this before we get to that letter from LifeSite. So, from their article, quote. Cardinal Timothy Dolan commented, commended the priest who presided over the sacrilegious, uh, confused funeral for a notorious James Martin activist at St. Patrick's Cathedral, saying that they, the priest, had acted extraordinarily well. I think our cathedral acted extraordinarily well, Dolan said in a recent podcast episode of Conversation with Cardinal Dolan. He praised the priest who held the funeral for celebrating a liturgy of the word instead of a holy mass with the irreverent crowd present though the priest permitted numerous blasphemies and sacrileges throughout the scandalous event. Again, I applaud our priests, who made a quick decision saying, uh-oh, with behavior like this, we can't do a Mass, we'll do the Liturgy of the Word, and then we'll stop it, Dolan stated. However, at the beginning of the funeral, Father Edward Doherty, who officiated the event, jokingly said, except on Easter Sunday, we don't really have a crowd that is this well-turned-out. In a video from the event, Doherty can be heard being told by someone that there should only be a funeral service and no mass, after the crowd of confused activists erupted into loud applause and cheers. Doherty continuously spoke of the non-believing confused worker of the uh, world's oldest job and activist, whose stage name I am not going to say here, by their confused label and it indicated that the activist was on the way to heaven. End quote. So the priest did the typical novus ordo funeral thing of canonizing the person whose funeral he was officiating that isn't really that surprising in this case it might have been dangerous to even imply that the person needed prayers for the repose of the soul that pray that the person had in their final moments a, a radical interior conversion and that our God, lord have mercy on them because the crowd that he was performing before there and i use the word performing on purpose because let's be frank here what they were doing was a show. It was a show for them and the sh- a show for the for the entire church because the, and for the whole world, because this was in the aftermath of Fiducia supplicants. You cannot have this event without that diabolical document that authorized the blessings of the kind we're talking about here, and this is just an extension of that. Yes, they're supposed to be non-liturgical, but guess what? We have seen liturgical blessings done, and nothing has happened to the priests who've done them. This is just the next logical step in that. This was a show. It was a show for the world. It was a show for all of us who oppose these things. And the message was well received. After all, the secular media was at this thing too, and they reported on it. The scandal caused by this is incredible. And the way Dolan handled this is uh, shows that he, frankly, doesn't care that he cares more about image than he does about actually causing scandal. Back to the article. Quote, Dolan nevertheless praised the priest and the cathedral staff, saying, Bravo for our cathedral people who knew nothing about this that was coming up. Pause here. I'm going to remind you. Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church was invited to this event to give the keynote address. He wasn't able to because he's traveling. He was at the L.A. Religious Education Conference, which was causing all sorts of headlines for different reasons. But he wasn't here for this. And he spoke a lot of, he spoke in a laudatory manner about this event. So Jimmy Martin knew about this. Dolan probably knew about this too. But let's continue. We didn't know the background. We didn't do, we don't do background checks on people who want to be buried, Dolan said. Our policy at the cathedral is to be as open and welcoming to anybody who wants to be buried here, and we had absolutely no idea about this. Canon law requires that Catholic funerals be denied to unrepentant manifest sinners who cannot be granted ecclesiastical funerals without public scandal of the faithful. Dolan confirmed that a massive reparation for the sacrilegious funeral was held at the, at the cathedral. However, according to a Catholic laywoman who spoke to LifeSite News, Dolan told her that, quote, they did it on the quiet so wouldn't be disrupted by those protesters, meaning the mass was celebrated privately. The same same laywoman also said that Dolan called Doherty a hero because he stopped the funeral mass. When she objected that she had watched the entire service and that it had not been stopped, Dolan said, then it went on without him, and then the cardinal turned around and walked away, end quote. He can't even get his story straight. He he thinks that people aren't going to see eyewitness footage, eyewitness accounts of what happened there or footage taken from the event. He thinks people are kind of dumb about this. He clearly doesn't, he hasn't kind of clued in on the fact that we now live in a social media age where people who were there will speak and the stories will get out there. A public scandal, though, and a public sacrilege like that funeral requires a public act of penance, not a private mass. The, the mass of reparation should have been public, it should have been done in public. That would have sent a message. Let the media come. Let the Dolan should have gotten Dolan and Father Doherty should have gotten on bended knee. And done the whatever the modern equivalent of sackcloth and ashes is with media present. Before doing their mass of reparation. And as some laity have been asking, a, an exorcism of the cathedral. That should have happened, but it didn't happen. Said they did it this in private. So a public scandal was made reparation for with a private mass. Now that we have all that context, though, (laughs) because that's not even our main story. Our main story is the letter that he has gotten from some faithful Catholics. It's a very short letter, also published by LifeSite. It's an open letter to all the cardinals and bishops of the world. Act before it is too late. So here is the letter. It's very, very short. Um, we'll just go over it entirely. Your Eminences, Your Excellencies. As you are aware, many, many bishops, priests, and Catholic scholars have expressed strong opposition to the papally approved Vatican document, Baduccia Supplicants, allowing for the blessings of James Martin types. On February 2nd, a group of priests and scholars addressed to you in public filial appeal. Urging you to forbid such blessings in your dioceses and to ask Pope Francis to receive the document that undermines the deposit of faith, biblical teaching. your De- mm-hmm. supplicants will order. There took place a scandalous, grotesquely hob, blast- and then they give you some details about the nature of their confusion and where they're from. Pope Francis' secular and political stance promoting this ideology by allowing. The blessing of James Martin types by a Catholic priest has empowered such activists to seize the moment in a setting at St. Patrick's Cathedral to advance their program in one of the most iconic Catholic cathedrals in America. The radical political movement was on full display in a shocking parody of a Catholic funeral for such an activist. From start to finish, the service derided the Catholic faith, blasphemed its hallowed space, and ridiculed a holy and beloved female saint, St. Cecilia, one of the most famous virgin martyrs of the early church. The hour long service was fraught with crass and impudent antics, loud catcalls, and boisterous cheers. There was not one moment of prayerful devotion or piety. Despite ongoing outbursts, the congregation was never admonished by the officiating priest, Reverend Edward Doherty, who seemingly encouraged the loud eruptions. At the beginning of the service, Doherty complimented the attendees by stating, Except for Easter Sunday, St. Patrick's hasn't seen such a well turned out crowd. The congregation At certain points during the service, Father Doherty could be heard laughing at the campy pranks. On the high altar of St. Patrick's, the confused people were kissing during the remembrance speeches. One friend proclaimed the person as a rest of applause. The crowd and organizers of this funeral event turned it into a political pep rally, complete with cheers, catcalls, and intentions for their pet cause. At the end of the service, the crowd began to chant uh, something really gr- grotesque, blaspheme against St. Cecilia. I'll just leave that highlighted so you can see for see it and do acts of reparation yourself later. This blasphemous chant filled the entire cathedral as the person's coffin was carried down the aisle. Father James Martin S.J., Pope Francis' collaborator and promoter of that program in the Catholic Church, stated on Twitter that he had been invited by the organizers of this service to come and speak, but that he was unable to do so due to travels. Let's pause here again. For a priest to do something when traveling, they have to get the local ordinary's permission. Chances are that Cardinal Dolan knew this was happening. Chances are very high that he knew that because of the invitation given to Father James Martin. Bear that in mind. St. Patrick's Cathedral has since issued a statement saying that they were not informed about the details of this funeral service and that they had, quote, no idea our welcome and prayer would be degraded in such a sacrilegious and deceptive way. The cathedral has now offered an appropriate mass of reparation. This, your eminences and your excellencies, is what will be coming to your parishes if you do not act now and stop the document for duccia Supplicans and its implementation. It will start with a priest coming together with a James Martin pairing in a church for a blessing. People will gather to witness the event. There will be numerous occasions for political activists to to use that moment to further blaspheme God and to mock the Catholic faith. This funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral was a wake-up call. It was only the beginning. All right, I'm back on my phone. For whatever reason, the internet just crashed at my house here, so I'll have to edit this in studio a little bit once it's done here. But the um, I'm hoping everybody got all of that that you got that the less the last of that. I went over the names of the people at the street in the um, oh, from that letter. It was you know John Henry Weston and those folks and names you're familiar with. Um, Yes, Damien is right. I have had issues with my service provider. Um, even in the middle of the night, once in a while, the it, live streams can be a trick here. So, yes. Um, maybe consider Starlink. I can't afford Starlink. Starlink costs hundreds of dollars a month. I can't afford that. <laughs> it's just, I can't. <laughs> and, uh, um, I mean, I'll, I can look into Starlink, but I I have seen, there's a couple YouTubers who live in rural areas who use Starlink and the cost they describe is staggering for Starlink. It's not as cheap as people think. Um, But you know, I'm back and uh, we will wrap this up here shortly, but uh, I'm curious what people think about that letter. Do you, I mean, do you think anything's going to come from it? I mean, honestly, I tend not to think anything is going to come from such a letter. The bishops are afraid of this issue. They are legitimately afraid of it. This document served up the church to the world on its pet issue of the moment, an issue that if you publicly speak against it, you are like of the worst, the worst of the worst. You are nothing but like one of the great villains of history. They have done, well, Fernandez and Francis really have done like the unthinkable with that document. And it's why two more than two months later, we're still, we still talk about it. The document will be remembered and go down in history as quite possibly the event that necessitated a future pope calling, declaring him an anti-pope. That's what this document is. That's how blatant it is. The damage it does is going to be uncalculable as time goes on. And the bishops live in fear of Francis, and a future pope may have his hands tied. I mean, can you imagine what's going to happen? Let's say in 2025, there's a conclave to elect a new Roman pontiff and lo and behold, we get a Pius the 13th and he starts undoing Francis's dirty work and he declares fiducia supplicants null and void. And uh, what do you think the consequences of that will be? Especially if he then reiterates in unequivocal terms what the Church's teaching on such issues are. What would be the consequences of that? Now I want you to think hard about that. There, the answer to that is not exactly a, a hard one to know. There will be very real consequences for it, especially in some parts of the world now, where if you read certain passages from sacred scripture publicly, you now violate the law. That's in some places of the Western world now. So Francis really did a doozy on the church with that document, and it ties the hands of bishops. And frankly, much of the episcopate now has forgotten why cardinals and bishops wear red. It's to it's a sign of their willingness to accept the red crown of martyrs when. They take that office. Most of them have forgotten that. That's why popes wear red shoes? At least they did, till the current guy, if he is the pope. Nolo reminds us. Dolan is one of Francis's nine. Nothing will happen, of course. Nothing. There will be no consequences for Dolan on this side of eternity, unless we get a new, a new Orthodox pope soon. Um. Isn't the Holy Spirit supposed to prevent a Bergoglio from being elected? People think the Holy Spirit chooses the Pope. I mean, i that's not true. The Holy Spirit does not do such things. I actually found a statement from uh, Cardinal Ratzinger before he was Benedict XVI, to, just debunking that whole idea. He, he reminded people what the church actually says, which is that the bishops can open themselves up to the, whole, the, the influence of the Holy Spirit at the conclave. But have they? Let <laughs> I me mean, think about it. There have been some r- truly horrific popes in the past, some truly nasty ones. And to say the Holy Spirit chose those guys is blasphemy. And so no, the Holy Spirit doesn't choose the pope. It's one of those weird myths that you don't really see much documentation of people saying such things before Vatican II, or even before Vatican I. It's, just, it's a weird idea. It's a new, It's a very strange modern idea. Um, they can open themselves up to the influence of that through prayer and fasting and the mass and the rest of the things. But there's no evidence that they've done so for a very, very long time, decades upon decades. But what if Jesus has promised to protect his church? Yeah, the church will be here at the until the end of time. Our Lord didn't actually give you any insight to what the church will look like, except for one statement of one cryptic statement of his, which is, will I find faith when I return? To paraphrase him. That should give you some uh, idea <laughs> of the condition of the world when he comes back yeah damien i'm not worried about the monthly charge of day of it it's the uh, hundreds if not thousands of dollars to buy the equipment i can't i can't swing that oh no the church will be here tom the church will be here <laughs> it's just that uh the um you know we're 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 not going the there's nothing about the catholic life that says that we're to be coddled and made comfortable that we are to stand up and carry our cross offer our sufferings and uh, resist error it just we're we see error in the church now i do want to uh get back a little bit to our topic though because i had a, something here that i wish i could put it up on screen although my internet appears to be back so i might try to do eh, we're, we're almost done we'll just wrap it up with uh um with what i was going to do so over at uh, catholicism.org brother andre marie had this um article that he quotes chesterton from it's a short quote i'll just read from his quote here but it's uh, on gk chesterton on ecumenism and dying of broad-mindedness the, um, at the core of this funeral, and at the core of all this ecumenical dialogue, and all these other things we see in the church, is this concept of broad-mindedness. We're to be open-minded. Remember, the uh, John the Twenty-Third opened the windows of the church to the world to let some fresh air in, right? And the consequences of that have been nothing short of a disaster for the church. It, it, I mean, Vatican II closes, and as soon as you get that new mass, all of a sudden you've got vocations crashing right the use of the sacrament to just fall fall off hard at that time but at the core of this was this idea of ecumenical dialogue and you there is no greater act of ecumenical dialogue than what we just saw over there with that uh with that um with that funeral so here's what chesterton had to say about ecumenism and dying of broad-mindedness it comes from wh- wh- where does he what book it's from his work the everlasting man it's one of the best uh sort of apologetics on on Christ you will ever read. It's by G.K. Chesterton. It takes a very different approach to apologetics, too. Very, very different one than you will ever. If you read a book about Christ and how why Christ was real and in fact on, you know, the typical apologetic stuff, this book reads entirely differently than any of those. It's one of one of the reasons why a hundred years later it's still remembered. So here's what Chesterton had to say. The Theosophists built a pantheon, but it's only a pantheon for pantheists. They call a parliament of religions as a reunion of all the peoples, but it is only a reunion of all the prigs. Yet exactly such a pantheon has been set up 2000 years before by the shores of the Mediterranean and Christians were invited to set up the image of Jesus side by side with the image of Jupiter, of Mithras, of Osiris, of Attis, or of Ammon. It was the refusal of the Christians. That was the turning point of history. If the Christians had accepted They and the whole world would have certainly, in a grotesque but exact metaphor, gone to pot. They would have all been boiled down to one lukewarm liquid in that great pot of cosmopolitan corruption in which all the other myths and mysteries were already melting. It was an awful and an appalling escape. Nobody understands the nature of the church or the ringing note of the creed descending from antiquity who does not realize that the whole world once very nearly died of broad-mindedness and the brotherhood of all religions. That's at the core of this, that this universal brotherhood that we see now in our time being promoted in some bizarre sense of universalism. That's what that funeral was. That's what this ecumenical dialogue we saw in January and early February with those Anglican bishops. That's what the Synod of Synodality is about. That's what Vatican II was about with all the non-Catholic participants there and the non-Catholics who helped re- redesign the liturgy. This has been an ongoing problem in the church, and it really does need to be addressed. It, my hope is that when we get it, it, that in our lifetime, we will get an Orthodox Pope who will begin to address not just the errors of this most recent pontificate, but the systemic problems we've had for decades upon decades. It'll be a glorious and probably very trying time when such a Pope comes. All right, folks i'm i'm going to wrap this up because i'm doing this on my i had to finish the stream on my phone because of my the internet issue um if there's any final thoughts in the chat this is your good time to get them robert richard says do not be so open-minded that your brains fall out from gk chesterton yeah that's one of his more famous quotes it's just sort of like the hillary Belloc famous quote of you know the uh church being run by imbeciles or whatever <laughs> that there's no bread or proof that it's divine because of the types of people who ran it and who have who if left to their own devices would have destroyed the thankful was not for divine intervention basically um traditional catholic says tomorrow is the is essentially the commemoration of saint peter damian yeah he's dreading what might happen i uh yeah i mean we'll find out <laughs> i wouldn't be too worried about it but um it tomorrow's a good day to, to uh, go find a prayer of his and invoke his name this it is it's a, it'll be his preconciliar feast day i doubt he's even on the postconciliar calendar anybody who has the the current liturgical calendar let me know if saint peter damian shows up on it if you actually have a physical calendar i'd be very curious all right folks sandy rose non-catholics designing the new liturgy like lobbyists who write the yeah a lot of people don't know that that Nini was a stone cutter. That's a confirmed stone cutter. And he had a committee of Protestant ministers with a couple priests helping him design the new liturgy. That happened in the 60s. That's that's a fact of history, and people don't like hearing that because it, it begins to make you ask a lot of questions. All right, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh and as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein, Ave Maria.